podcast, Thought Pod Voking, with your hosts, Megan and Marissa. We're here to talk about all the thought-provoking aspects in life. On today's episode, we're going to explore the question, would you ever want to freeze your brain? This has been a theme in many sci-fi movies and shows, and now people are actually taking the steps to freeze their brains and even their entire bodies so they can quote-unquote turn on at a later date when the technology is available to restore their minds, emotions, thoughts, memories, and even bodies. But before we get into today's episode, we have one listener comment from last week's episode. Matt emailed us and gave us his two cents on the question, what is an adult? So Matt said, I think becoming an adult is having a strong self and purpose. It is being accepting with who you are, your interests, your faults, and what you have to work on as the whole you. It's about accepting the same in others, realizing that we have different roles to play in each other's lives and being comfortable with that. It's taking control of your life and being responsible for what happens in it, realizing what you can't control and letting it go. It's having the ability to accept life on life's terms and having the understanding that you as an individual are part of a larger universe. Most of that comes from experience, the fails and the triumphs possibly combined. I think it puts you in a particular mindset. Hence, some people seem to have an older personality than others. Thanks, Matt. We appreciate all of our listener comments. Um, Now let's dive into answering this week's question. Okay. So this week's question, Marissa, is would you ever want to freeze your brain? Um, This is something that I stumbled upon on the New York Times. They published an article on cryotherapy. I think that's how you pronounce it, right? Cryotherapy. Um, Basically, there was um, a news article where a 23-year-old girl had brain cancer. I think it was some type of brain cancer. And she was like, okay, well, I only have a few months left to live. So I think that I'm going to freeze my brain and hopefully come back at a mm-hmm. later date. I mean, 20 to die at 23 is pretty young. So then this lab sort of opened this discussion. And then um, there was an article in the New York Times on like what it means to freeze your brain. Is the technology available? The technology is available to freeze it, but can you actually bring it back? And moreover, like, would you ever want to? And this is like a completely personal opinion for everyone. I mean, a lot of people have different opinions on this. So I personally would not want to freeze my brain and wake up at a later date. I mean, I think that the life you're given now is the life you were supposed to be given and you're supposed to live it. And waking up at a later date if it was like a thousand years in the future Mm -hmm. it's a very sci-fi thing and I it's just kind of scary like what would what would you wake up to and not only that like there's um different like levels of preserving your brain too it's like you can preserve your brain and then download your memories onto a computer chip and so like your great 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 grandchildren could potentially download those to the computer and like access your memories And I think that's weird, too. I mean, I think it's, like, one thing to have a journal and for, like, you know, your children or your grandchildren to stumble upon your, like, personal journal Mm -hmm. after you die or something like that and be like, oh, that's really cool. I didn't know she was thinking that. But I think that memories are a very different, more way more complex thing. Definitely. Yeah, I think that that's a – it's a very layered question, though, because in the case of this girl, would you say she was 25? 23. 23. That's really young. Um, to be facing a terminal illness and know that you're going to die and you only have a certain amount of time to live. 
Um, so I think that would put parameter around it. Like I think I'm thinking of the question as like, I'm, you know, I'm assuming I'm going to live until I'm old. And so the way my thought process works is that, oh, I would, wouldn't want to do that because I'm assuming I'm going to have a full long life and I'm going to have all these experiences. And by the end of that life, when I'm hopefully in my 80s or 90s, I will have felt like I've lived a full enough life and I wouldn't want to have done that because I've had my chance to live. But I don't know how I would answer that question if I was 23 and facing imminent death. You know, that puts a much bigger um, push to experience that. But like you said, how, we don't necessarily know what the technology, when the technology is going to advance. It could be a thousand years and everyone in your life that you shared your life with could be gone. Um, and you could be waking up in a different world that's completely different and you wouldn't know how to live in that world you are from a different time period it would be essentially be like you know rip Frank winkle and <laughs> waking up and you don't know how to relate to anything um so if it was uh, yeah i don't really personally know how to answer that question because i guess maybe if i was facing death i would feel differently but because i like, have an assumption that i'm going to live a long life i feel like no, I wouldn't necessarily want to do that, but it, it's just, it is super personal. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. And also, like, yeah, like you said, you at age 28, you assume that you're going to live to like between 80 and 90, mm-hmm. especially with the, the, the medicine that we have right. now. And, you know, even if you get cancer or something like that, usually you can hopefully catch it early mm-hmm. and then treat it and the treatment is successful and then you can go on to live a long life but there are these people that are faced at a young age with a terminal illness and then they're like there's you know you have at most a year to live mm-hmm. but at the same time I think that that almost getting diagnosed with a terminal illness like that almost gives you the opportunity to be like okay well, if I have a year left to live let me live it the, the best I can. Yeah. And like you said, and like I said earlier, you don't know what you're going to wake up to mm-hmm. like later on. And you, everything that you love and know is in the present day. Right. Yeah. And uh, that just sparked another thought. How do you know that you're actually going to wake up as you? I think it, uh, I don't know if you saw the movie transcendence no. um, with Johnny Depp. So that was a film where it was a husband and wife sign team and they took his thoughts and memories and transferred it into a like a supercomputer and she was left behind as in human form and his body passed away and died but as the movie progressed and I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it, it it's becomes clear that it's not really him like it is him but it changes and he just becomes more more you know it's a movie but it because he becomes more technology you know techno like rational and mm-hmm. n- like the, the human emotion part of him seems to leave and things happen in the movie that just seem very cold and calculating and you're like wait that's not really him anymore so who's to say that right. your memories that it, how they exist in the human body we you know that's a science that we don't really understand no. so to just take that and isolate it and just put it on hold in the hopes that we could revitalize it how do we know that that really will be the essence of that person like I think it's different to say you're gonna freeze a moment in time and have particular thoughts and archive them for Mm -hmm. generations to come 
than it is to say, I'm going to put this to sleep for now and then wake it up later on because I don't think it would really truly be that person as they were here now. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I, I agree with that. Um, it also brings into the conversation the idea of a soul. And this is a religious thing sometimes, or not not necessarily religious, but spiritual. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that don't believe in souls. They believe that you are just, you know, this body that's walking around with all these electrical currents going through you, and that's your brain is just a bunch of wires essentially mm-hmm. that are that are made up of matter, and and that's who you are as a person. But there, I would say, I don't know, I don't know if it's most people, but a lot of people believe that the core essence of you is your soul Mm -hmm. and that's what gives you that that's what makes you you and so how do you freeze a soul right you know it's like you you can freeze your brain and hope that like in the future there's the technology to wake it up with you know the electric electrical currents or whatever you know they they shock your heart shock your brain back to life or whatever but how do you shock your soul back to life you know, and it's it's something that I I struggle with too. Like right now, as you know, a 28 year old, I'm not old. I'm not like thinking about like going to heaven or the afterlife um, quite yet. So I haven't quite figured out like what a soul is or what I necessarily believe in. But I don't believe that you're necessarily going to wake up as the same person, mm-hmm. um, especially after being dormant for so long. And um, I also wanted to bring into the question, the conversation. I, you haven't seen Star Trek, but no. there are a lot of Star Trek fans out there. And I'm going to bring up Deep Space Nine. Um, there is an alien species that are called the Trill, mm-hmm. and so the Trill have this this. I, I you could you could define it as their soul, or it's mostly just like this organ of their memories that when they die, they can get transplanted into another Trill, mm-hmm. a living Trill. So, and then this, this like, organ gets transplanted and transplanted and transplanted into, like, a number of, like, generations. It could be generations or if someone died in the war or something like that, they could get their organ of their memories and their emotions transplanted into someone else. And so this, uh, this person that has their own emotions and feelings and thoughts walks around with someone else's emotions and feelings and thoughts. Mm, and so true. it's almost like... Um, it's almost like you're, they have multiple personalities, yeah. and which is really, it's really strange. And so they they do a good job in Star Trek of like writing it into the script where um, the, these, these characters are having these internal conflicts because they have these memories of this other person, but they have their emotions and their thoughts of their current, like what, what they're thinking in their current host, I mm-hmm. guess. So it's almost like would, that's that's a different topic too because it's getting transferred into a living person. Yeah. But like, what if that's a technology in the future? And then like you, they have like there's like this like vat of like a thousand like frozen bodies and brains, and they're like, hey, let's do some experiments. Let's yeah. put this into another person. Like that would be weird. Yeah. And you have no control over that. No. No. Yeah. And I think that would that would be much more complicated. I think as you know, the the host, and as the it's an organ yeah it was like an like, organ so i guess can you explain like does that in this does the organ have any control over the body no or is it just it's the person who owned the body that has complete control over imagine everything. it like 
your download, like say you, say I decided to free like my body or mm -hmm. something like that. And, or decided to transplant, if I was dying and I was terminally ill and we had the technology and you were like, I volunteer myself to take Megan's um, persona. Yeah. And put her into me so that people can, you know, still access her memories and thoughts and emotions through me. That's sort of what it's yeah. like. So you'd be hosting everything that I feel and thought and all my memories, all of my memories. Like, that would be overwhelming. Yeah, definitely. I think, and that would be really trippy because then how do you, like, separate what is really your own thought and what is the person that you're hosting's thought. But, yeah, that that just gets really complicated. And I think ethically and morally that's a really gray area so if that's what the you know if that was a, a something in real life i think that would be really complicated to be able to pull off in science i i, I don't see that being the the route that um they would take I, I think that in real science they probably would have some kind of like you know mechanized host or something like a create some kind of artificial like i i can foresee like a robot or something i don't know mm -hmm. something like that um but yeah that that's a trippy trippy thought to have yeah it's sort of a sci-fi thought <laughs> well i mean it's a sci-fi topic really yeah. it's like we yeah we do like i said before have the technology to freeze things and preserve them mm -hmm. sure but can you bring it back so I'd be interested to hear in what other people have to say about this. And we actually had a conversation um, last weekend with our friends and Marissa's husband was there. Her husband's name is Tony. And um, we're going to play a few clips from our like roundtable discussion. And forgive the audio because it, there is a lot of background noise. But um, I thought that Tony had a lot of really interesting things to say. And my boyfriend Eric was in the room too. And you might hear him as well. And our friend Matt was across the table. So <laughs> he's a little harder to hear. But um, it was a good discussion. So And we'll listen to that right now. One of my uh, recent uh, Facebook posts touches on this subject, and it came from the thought of overcoming the idea of death. And if you could face the fact that you are one day going to die, and if you're going to be comfortable dying today, like knowing that you're living your life to the fullest, and like, you know, you're not going to be afraid of dying, you're not going to be afraid of like failure because. Because you're comfortable, you're comfortable, like, ready, like, ready to die for what it is that you're doing. You know, like, ready to die for the life that you choose to live. And I think that that's something that everybody should come to terms with as far as, like, you know, personally, like, death. Like, coming to terms with one day you're going to leave. What type of legacy are you going to leave behind? And I think that if you, if, 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 if one person is, like, okay, ready to die, like, tomorrow, being, like, if you knew you are going to die today, like, tomorrow, your life today, like, your, your day today would be totally different because you wouldn't get crap about what everybody thinks. You would do what feels best for you. And I think that, you know, that's, that's like part of life or living is like coming to terms with dying. 
Like being okay to like lay it all out there and be like, all right, tomorrow if I die, then I know I lived, you know, the life that I chose. To my understanding of the brain, that's programmable. So every time you think of something or every time you like anchor yourself to an idea or a thought, your your brain basically works itself to create a stronger well, connection. I attributed to, that it, to I attributed it to Superman how in the Fortress of Solitude he can dial up his parents' memories and talk to them. I didn't watch the So would you want your kid like your great 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 grandkids to be able to have a conversation with their great great grandfather and like and give detailed memories about life in their I time. think that'd be fucking awesome. Like, but would, the thing is, would you, it would wouldn't you, replace right consciousness. Now, right now, would you want to be able to talk to your great-great-great-grandfather and have him describe his life? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think of course, cool. that'd be... From a historical yeah. yeah. thing, but... But the thing is, yeah. you can't program new thoughts and ideas into that. me. Yes. And it's also... You wouldn't be able to, because that... You, you can't create a new consciousness from that. Because you, if you're, you are creating a new consciousness, because you no, because if it's if it's artificial intelligence, maybe, but like, if you if you same same situation, like you can't you can't teach Superman's parents how to use a cell phone. Well, you could you could ask questions that they'd be able to answer, yeah. assuming That's what that. You're that yeah. Their, yeah, but their brain yeah, is still like, fixing the same state actually, that they that, were when they yeah, died. That's an interesting point because we change. Like the, the right. that, that like maybe has kids. Like my my parents. Were it's not like a bookmark. Though. Yeah, brain exactly. It's at not that point in time. Like, like yeah. um, you know, you, you people just change by their nature. So. If I'm preserved, am I going to be preserved in this one moment continually? Because Superman's dad is preserved in one moment. He's preserved at the point where the world blows up and everything. So in terms of example, you're right. He wouldn't be able to learn anything. And that would be interesting. But to me, the, the question that you're presenting is you're creating this entity that, that wears you like a cloak. But it's going to grow and it's going to change. It's going to experience things that you can't fathom. And that go beyond you. And that's interesting. But I don't know if I'm comfortable with, with giving over my identity to that. You can't replicate the spirit. Okay, well that was interesting. So Tony was touching upon the subject of accepting death. And I think that's something that a lot of people have a hard time coming to terms with. I don't I don't personally believe that we're ever going to be okay with dying. I think that when you're literally lying on your deathbed and you know that death is like swarming around you and you're like, I can feel my breath getting cut off or whatever. I don't. I think it's gonna be a really terrifying moment. I think that dying is gonna be really, really scary, and that people never want to experience it. But we have to. And I think that this this concept of freezing your brain and and just you know have grasping that that sense of eternal life is something that a lot of people want. I mean, and also, isn't that kind of why we believe in heaven and an afterlife? Is because we're afraid of dying. And we're afraid of 
not experiencing the pleasures we experience in life. Life feels good. Mm. If you're not in physical pain, you're usually pretty happy. And so I think that Tony brings up a really important point of, I think that we as humans need to someday just sit down and, and accept that we're going to die. And freezing your brain isn't really going to help anything. Yeah, I don't think that preserving your brain will help you accept death more. It might help ease the fear of being gone and of dying. But um, relating to what Tony was saying, it's it's really accepting the life you have now and accepting the days you do have and the moment that you have and the life that you are leading. And I think that kind of leads into our our tip for the week, um, which is living in the moment. Um, so last week, our tip was about deep breathing. And we had a few listeners that were able to write into us telling us that they love that idea. Um, and one listener, Heidi, called in to share her thoughts on deep breathing. So let's listen to Heidi's message now. Hey, girls, it's Heidi by I went to college with you guys. So I was Heidi Lucas back then. Um, I thought the talking about deep breathing is something so important that all adults, um, parents, kids, family members should know about. I work as a middle school counselor, and I use deep breathing with a lot of my students a lot. But one of the most important things about deep breathing, especially when you're working with somebody else or with your friend, is to show that you can do deep breathing together because some people may feel a little bit outside that they may need to use that as a technique to help them out. But if you can, like, if you have a friend and they're stressed out and you're just like, hey, um, look at me, let's deep breathe together, it shows a lot of empathy and compassion, which is so important. And I use deep breathing all the time professionally, but even for myself when I have to go into a meeting, um, when I have to speak in front of people, when I'm even going shopping and feeling awkward about buying things and talking to the sales clerk because I can get a little nervous about that. It's just something that I think is so important biologically um, and psychologically and even spiritually. So I think this is a really important topic to talk about, and I'm really happy that you guys um, brought it up. If you want to talk to me, you guys can reach me. And, yeah, all right. Have a great day. Bye. And this week's life tip is kind of you know, it kind of relates to that um, idea of deep breathing to bring you into the moment where it's to actually live in the moment. A lot of people um, tend to live in the past or the future, and uh, they forget to live in the present and uh, cherish every moment. And I, th I think that definitely relates to what we're talking about. If you're, if you're living in fear or anxiety of what's going to happen when you, when you die, you have a fear of death, but um, accepting the, the one life that you were given kind of makes it more sweet and and you're able to cherish it more yeah i agree um living in the moment is something that i've sort of taken on as like a new sort of like resolution lately in my life because i think that i, I depression is kind of a, a touchy subject but i think that um I think that a lot of depression stems around the fact that you're not where you want to be mm -hmm. and you don't think that you can ever get there and that you don't, or you long for the past or you worry about the future and it's just, you, you feel really stuck. 
And the same thing, same thing with anxiety. Like a lot of people suffer from anxiety issues and they feel really like almost claustrophobic in their thoughts. They're just consumed by, you know, things that happened to them in the past, if they were traumatic things in their past, or they worry about their future excessively, or they worry about things that are happening in their present day. And it's just... Those things, you know, you can't always just take a step back and take a deep breath and be like, okay, I'm fine now. Like some of those things are are deeper and harder issues. But I think that if you you say to yourself every single day, carpe diem, seize the day, live in the moment, and make the most of every day, I think that your days will be happier in the end. And then you can look back, you know, 10 years from now and look fondly upon your memories. Not, it's not always an easy thing to do. Like you say, you know, we get um, very distracted, I think, in, a, in our modern life, especially, you know, we, a lot of people work jobs where they're doing 10,000 things on a computer and they're in a meeting and, you know, you got this device and that device and you're maybe texting with this friend and chatting with this person, setting up a meeting here and actually in a meeting all at one moment. So that, that can really fragment your brain and get you separated from the idea of the moment. Um, so I, I actually brought this this book with me by John Kabat-Zinn. It's called Wherever You Go, There You Are. And um, he's an author who has done a lot about mindfulness and meditation. And he actually has founded a center for mindfulness um, at the University of Mass Medical School. It's actually in, uh, I think it's, I forget what town, but it's in Central Mass. Um, so it's very local to people in Massachusetts. and just in one of the first um, beginning chapters, he kind of gives a really good description on how to live in the moment. And he says, the best way to capture the moment is to pay attention. This is how we cultivate mindfulness. Mindfulness means being awake. It means knowing what you're doing. But when we start to focus in on what our own mind is up to, for instance, it is not unusual to quickly go unconscious again, to fall back into an automatic pilot mode of unawareness. These lapses in awareness are frequently caused by an idea of dissatisfaction with what we are seeing or feeling at the moment, out of which springs a desire for something to be different, for things to change. You can easily observe the mind's habit of escaping from the present moment for yourself. Just try to keep your attention focused on any object for even a short period of time. You will find that to cultivate mindfulness, you may have to remember over and over again to be awake and aware. We do this by reminding ourselves to look, to feel, to be. It's that simple, checking in from moment to moment, sustaining awareness across a stretch of timeless moments, being here now. So it's not always a simple thing to do. Like I said, when you're in the moment, you know, there's so many things happening, but kind of grounding yourself and saying, okay, no, I'm here. This is what I'm doing. And you might have to do that a million times in a day to really cultivate that practice, but it's it's a practice that over time, once you're able to do that, you are able to actually enjoy being in the moment, being in the presence of somebody else and not having 10,000 thoughts about tomorrow or yesterday or 10 years from now. Um, so it's really about cultivating an awareness and a presence in, in the actual moment that you're in. Yeah. Um... And it's good to keep in mind that now is the only place you'll ever be. 
damn true. It's true. I mean, <laughs> you are not the 10-year-old self that you think of, you know, running around in the backyard. You're not that person. You are also not the 80-year-old person that you envision in the future. You're none of those things. You're the only, the only person you are is the person you are right now. And so that's why it's so important to live in the moment because I don't know how else to say it. Here, this is the only moment that you ever have. Yep. Your consciousness is alive here and now, and you shouldn't worry about the past and you shouldn't worry too much about the future. I, I mean, you do need to plan. You shouldn't just live like crazily and spend crazily, but don't deprive yourself of things that you love just because you don't think you should have them. Like, I think that diets are, are a weird thing of like, if you become obsessive, you're like, I can't have this. I can only eat lettuce for the next, you know, three days because I want to lose these few pounds. But really? Like, you want to lose three pounds in three days? But what is that going to, what is, what difference is that going to make in 10 years from now? Not, not, not anything, really. Um, so if you want a piece of chocolate, have a piece of chocolate. Don't have, like, 20 pieces of chocolate in one sitting. Don't be gluttonous, but have like indulge when you want i would say or if you're like i want to take a trip and i have some money saved in the bank do it like what are you waiting for or i like i really so many people are so like just paralyzed by the future that they just don't enjoy living now mm-hmm. and i think you should enjoy it yeah yeah definitely it, what you're saying about like the food thing it's like if you enjoy the one thing you have right now to its fullest, like it might sound weird, but you know, you take that piece of chocolate and you unwrap it and you look at it and you don't eat it. You just look at it and you smell it and then you put it on your tongue and you taste it and you let it dissolve and you slowly like chew it very slowly and mindfully. It will be a different experience than eating 10 pieces of chocolate right. and you will savor it. There, there's a whole, you know, practice of doing that kind of thing. Like if you are, in this moment and you are relishing this particular thing and very slowly and mindfully you you actually start to like ex- expand the experiences so that one piece of chocolate is enough to satiate you whereas 10 pieces of chocolate eaten very fast and very thoughtlessly won't fulfill you um it's the same for anything you know like anything we do you know just yeah. taking that time to to relish it and really feel what you're feeling um and experience and state savor it um there's something to be said for for being in that moment okay so this week's tip everyone live in the moment (laughs) um well that that concludes our podcast for today it was kind of a deep topic um we went into a lot of deep things but we'd love to hear your thoughts um and we'd love to hear your thoughts on if you'd want to freeze your brain the pros and cons um Email us at thoughtpodvoking at gmail.com or we have a phone number now. Call us at 774-701-0141 and leave us a voicemail. Um, and just ramble all you want and we will <laughs> we will cut and paste and uh, publish it next week if you decide to call us. And if you have a life tip, also just you know either email us or call us. We also have a Twitter account. It's, you can follow us at at thought pod 
So it's not Podvoking, it's Thought Podvoke because Twitter decided that Thought Podvoking was too long of a name. Uh, we're also on Facebook, so like us on Facebook. And um, we're also on our website at www.thoughtpodvoking.wordpress.com. So there's a lot of places you can find us. Thank you for tuning in, and we look forward to chatting next week. Bye. <laughs>